Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Live from Studio B in Athens, it's time for Sports Beat with Lucas Moore and Russ Heltman. Now, here's your host. Lucas Moore. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Sports Beat. We're back. It's been a while. It's been a long time since we've had a Sports Beat. And it's because of the holiday season. It's because of Christmas break. It's because of all those things of Russ and I not being in town. But the man behind the glass with class, Russ Hellman, we're back with a live edition on Sports Beat on Thursday. And we've got a fun show today, Russ. We've got a real fun show planned. Oh, yeah. We had the primer on Tuesday with Bits. We're able to break down Championship Sunday, the return of Boogie Cousins, go into the uh, the elite scoring ability of James Harden a little bit. But we're going to really blow the doors off the whole establishment today. We've got Brandon Scoop B. Robinson in studio, an NBA reporter, very prominent NBA reporter, host of Scoop B Radio, which is an interview-based sports entertainment podcast, had Chris Broussard, a very prominent NBA reporter on the podcast today, right? Yes. What's up, everybody? Brandon <laughs> in the studio, and we're going to just have a conversation um, with Scoopy. How do you want me to call you? I'm going to call you Brandon, Scoopy. What do you want? Just don't call me late for dinner. I like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll go with Brandon and then Scoopy back and forth. Okay. Scoop. You, like you can shorten it even call Scoop? me Scoop. Yeah. Well, Scoop, um, you've got a, one of those most interesting stories, and, and we like to talk to journalists. Um, we're more than just a, a sports show. We're mainly focused on sports, but we like to talk about the industry, journalism, um, and we like to talk about the broader topics in sports. So I think we're going to have a really interesting, in-depth conversation about the sport of basketball, about uh, journalism, radio broadcasting, all those things. And I'm really excited to have you on the show. Man, we met on Twitter. I just landed, and uh, you tweeted at me. I said, man, I, I'm excited to, to come on. So thanks. first of all, thanks for inviting me on your platform. And, um, yeah, I love basketball. Let's talk. Yeah, Dr. Stewart said, hey, he, he, what do you want to do? Do you? I'm like, we got a show at 6. I feel like that fits in the schedule, and it, it's perfect. So – we were just talking about um, one of the top four shooting guards of all time. Um, right now, not a lot of good shooting guards at Ohio University. We've kind of been struggling. But how, what have you thought of campus? You've just kind of you've been throughout campus. You've seen what we have to offer here. 
What are your impressions? Is this your first visit to Ohio? No, this is actually my second. I was here in March. I spoke at the 90 Minutes uh, seminar, uh, was featured. Uh, Justice Hill brought me in, and I've known Justice for like 10 years. And uh, I came in and and spoke then, so I was invited to come back. I got more of an in-depth tour, uh, really just checked out the campus, uh, the facilities, and and, and met more cool students, man. You you guys definitely have a, a cool setup. And uh, man, I'm I'm not that far removed from your age group, but you know, if I could do it all over again, maybe I would have been born later and, and, and took advantage of some of the things you have here. <laughs> this is a great little place to be. I, I really do enjoy it. Um, so you started in this industry when you were 12 years old with the New Jersey Nets at the time. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what, how on earth did that happen at 12 years old to be doing radio broadcasts with the Nets? Um, well, it kind of started with my interest in basketball even before. Uh, I told you off air, my family ran a successful sneaker business and a shoe business in Harlem. Uh, if you know about Harlem, in New York City, borough of Manhattan, yep. down the street from Apollo Theater on 125th and Lenox Avenue, owned a sneaker store called Athlete's Foot and a shoe store called Men's Walkers. And um, growing up in the sneaker store, running a cash register at six years old, you have sneaker releases. So, you know, you would have like uh, Dominique Wilkins coming in, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Big names. Yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde all those guys and the Wayans brothers uh, used to come in and buy sneakers uh, at our store. Wow! Uh, even like jazz musicians. So like I've always been around prominent people, like just you know building a rapport, um, and that kind of carried over to you know my childhood. Like you know my stepfather told you was from Chicago, Northwestern grad, uh, west side of Chicago, down the street from the old Chicago Stadium where the Bulls played. Introduced me to. A guy on television by the name of Michael Jordan. And so by the time I was 12 years old with the Nets, I, I saw my, my mom's friend told her about an audition that was in Manhattan at Chelsea Pier. Uh, and a radio station uh, was looking to look for uh, childhood personalities to do like commercials. Um, so like we did like I recorded a commercial for the Crash Dummies. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And like after that, the Nets were rebranding um, their their look. John Calipari was at the time the head coach and the vice president of basketball operations. Uh, and then they drafted Keith Van Horn. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was um, when when I came in, um, they they interviewed me and uh, they liked me, knew I had an interest in basketball and a, a knowledge that most 12 year olds don't have. And, um, you know, I did a show called Net Slam and Planet, uh, which was uh, I co-hosted it with Albert King, former NBA player, brother of Bernard King, and a guy named Evan Roberts, who now is a personality on Sports Radio 66 WFAN in New York City. And, um, you know, that, that, that kind of um, started the foundation of actually being a professional in media. You must have been a mature 12-year-old. I was silly as hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still I, am. I can't. I, I, I'm trying to think of what I was doing uh, at 12 years old. I was trying to figure out how to throw a baseball harder. I think was my main objective at that age. I mean, that's just incredible that you picked up an interest in this industry from 12. And, and you've broken a lot of big stories. Um, you're very connected in the industry. What what makes you love it so much? Why Why this? Why journalism? Why radio? Why broadcasting? Why? Why? Um, because I, I know my purpose in life, uh, and my purpose is bigger than myself. Um, because now I'm in a situation at, at 33, um, where, uh, there are people who look up to me, you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's responsibilities that I have. There's, 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 you know, I get on the subway now and people recognize me from Twitter and, you know, I hope the people that I've clapped back at never see me on a train, <laughs> but, uh, I'm telling you what train I ride, but, um, yeah, <laughs> but you know, the, the, I think I just, I love basketball. You know, when I wake up in the morning, it's a beautiful I, game. Man. It is. It's poetry emotion. 
And um, I just always have loved it. And I, I think um, for me, growing up, I, I related to it. You know, even as an eighth grader, um, I was 5'10". And I wore size 10 sneakers in eighth grade. Big guy. Yeah. Um, I grew into my head. I have a huge head. But, you know, as as a kid, like, I just soaked up a lot of knowledge. Like, to me, just the kid in the sneaker store who saw releases, who would just watch the NBA on NBC, the theme song got me. NBA Jam got me. What's the um, theme song? NBA on NBC. I never heard it. I've never seen an NBA game on NBC. Oh, that's familiar. I've heard that. Because it's on Fox now. Oh, they took it? Yeah. And then oh. they had the celebrity promotions back in the 80s where they'd have they'd go courtside with all the different celebrities at like the Lakers games, Chicago games, New York games. And I forget what the tagline was, but it's like it was like NBA, it's here, and they'd have like Rob Lowe doing it, uh, Jack Nicholson, and all those guys. The, the NBA the is fantastic. You're yeah, fan, about? it's fantastic yeah. with the play on the fan fan jingle. Yeah. Right See, I'm I'm a little later in sure. the in the introduction of this game. So, you know, I really like shooting around. I had a basketball uh, hoop in my driveway, so I love shooting around. But I never really followed it. I never played organized because I got cut. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade, no left hand, out of shape. Sure. Should, didn't deserve to play anyway. And I never really played in high school, but then I started broadcasting for it. And I, I kind of, when I was 16, I started watching the game um, a lot. And it's become, I think, my favorite sport to watch. Um, not professionally. I, I, I watch more NFL than I do NBA, but I cover high school basketball here. It's my favorite sport to cover. The strategy of it, 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 like you said, it is truly poetry in motion. And at the highest levels, I don't think there's better athletes on the planet than in the NBA. They're the biggest, they're the tallest, they're the strongest, they're the fastest. And I think if you ask most football players, they all want to be basketball players a little bit. I mean, it, there's just a superstardom about it. There's a glamour. Um, it's the perfect match of physicality and finesse all at the same time. I, I've, I've fallen in love with the game over the last four years, and so I can't even imagine you from six years old seeing the beauty, seeing the poetry, seeing all that for all that time how much you must like the game now. I mean, does it ever get old for you, the um, game? It's changed for me. I think um, players now have benefited from the labors of, you know, Magic and, and, and Bird saving the league in 79. You know, the league almost went bankrupt. Um, and then the baton being passed on to Michael. Uh, you saw the, the Pistons, uh, Bulls rivalries in Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, and I think when Michael played the NBA and, and, and at the time, Commissioner David Stern were in good hands. And then they've kind of had to rebrand after Michael retired. And, you know, you, you have a product that people want to watch. You know, Kobe and Shaq had their run. Um, and, and, and Kobe had his run by himself. Then you had Wade. You had the Pistons for a little while. And you had the Spurs uh, and Tim Duncan. And, 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 and now LeBron going to, what, eight straight NBA Finals yep. appearances as Incredible. both a member of the Heat, the, the, the Cavs, and the Lakers. And it's really a league that has kind of thrived off the dominance of different franchises. Sure. Because you talked about the league almost going bankrupt in the 70s. I think there was seven or eight different champions in the 1970s decade. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of really culminated with that 77 Trailblazers team led by uh, Bill Walton. But there was all the cocaine dealing with all that back in the seventies. There was a lot of that problem, and, yeah. and it was. It's really people talk about how weren't they the, don't weren't like. The, weren't the finals on tape delay in the seventies? Yeah. Yes, and and people talk about not liking all the dominance from these teams, but 
I don't think the league could have survived if you don't have the 2000s Lakers, the 90s Bulls, the 80s Celtics and Lakers and Lakers and like I, that. And I think that's why I, I get a little annoyed when everybody complains about super teams. Mm-hmm. Scoopy um, Radio. My podcast, Scoopy Radio, shameless plug, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or you can visit ScoopBRadio.com. Uh, 2.5 million streams in 2017, 3 million in, in Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of hard work. But um, I had uh, I spoke to Clyde Drexler uh, recently, and he said that um, people get mad about super teams. The Celtics and the Lakers were super teams. Yeah. The only difference is they drafted well and maybe you had one guy that you brought in. But I think that um, more than anything, um, when you look at LeBron, he joined super teams. He joined, you know, you look at you look at uh, DeMarcus Cousins joining the, the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um I think that the super team is just an evolution, and I think it's more of a money thing. I think people get mad about the contracts more than they do the super teams. Yeah, and I think people get mad about how they're formulated, which it really shouldn't matter at the end of the day. It's kind of just they're dominant. That, that's the end of the line. And the money argument, I get why people get upset about that, but I'm the type of guy that these guys, we're paying to watch them. We're the ones that are feeding this entire economy. We set the market value. We set the market value. This is what those guys are worth. It's exactly what they should get paid. I, I'm never, I will never get mad at an athlete for making more money. And, and you know, Nick Wright said something very uh, thoughtful and a little aggressive on one of his shows when people were complaining about salaries and how much money athletes make. He's like, I'm sorry, this is going to sound really rough, but find something you're good at and do it. And maybe you can make, you know, money like that. Like you just got to find your talent, you got to find your passion, and that's what all these guys did. It just happens to be one of the most popular industries in the world. Yeah, I, I think um, you know you you discussed just um, how intriguing and how uh, attractive the game of basketball is, and how you talk, you 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 mentioned how some football players want to be NBA guys. I think that the secure contracts is also oh, a thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know besides baseball being slow, they do have secure contracts like the NBA as well. Um, but I think the NBA also has a WWE effect. Um, I've, I've said this. What do you mean by that? Well, I know that I fell in love with the, the WWE when it was the WWF in the 90s. I grew up watching the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. I grew up watching Brett the Hitman Hard, Yokozuna, and all those other guys. And um, the next era with The Rock those guys spent more time on the microphone than they did in the ring. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the NBA now, you know, Russell Westbrook talking about Joel Embiid and then, um, you know, this person having a feud or, 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 or. Jimmy, so it's about the characters. It's the saying. characters. But I think that the NBA was on the cutting edge of social media in a way that the other major sports leagues were not. Yeah. And I also think um, that uh, the big coup de grace in that is. The NFL mixed the mark because they were so concerned about licensing where the NBA just cared about their likeness. The, the, the double-edged sword for the, the NFL is there are a lot of personalities, but only they only know names like Odell Beckham or Eli Manning or um, Jabril Peppers, who's growing, obviously, other people. But, you know, in the NBA, they don't wear helmets and there's only 50 guys – or excuse me, 15 guys on a team. So – there's an entertainment aspect, the backstory to the story, and then the wrestling match. Comparative is uh, is the comparatively is uh, the game on the court. You know, Russell Westbrook and Embiid can go at it, but they still got to go at each other on the court. Yeah, and it's like a center of pop culture almost. Yeah, like was anybody out in the uh, their backyard going Brady? 
No, but everybody was on the basketball court going Kobe. Yeah. Right? It's a pop culture. Basketball, I think, is the center of the American sports pop culture. Because it's more about, like you mentioned, the characters, superstars, individuals, shoe brands, style, fashion, music is very connected uh, to the NBA. And it's kind of similar to soccer in a way that you can pick up a basketball anywhere, have two hoops, anything really to shoot it into, and you can play a game of basketball. And, like and you can also, and I think the reason, I want to see what you think about this theory. See, I come up with, these guys know. Uh, Scoop, I come up with just wild theories about how things work. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Wild thoughts. This one's a pretty wild thought. I think we're better at basketball than any other sport in terms of just the general population. Like if if I took you down. So after this, I'm going to hoop later. You're welcome to come. I'm thinking about it. Uh, Ping, you want to come? You can come hoop with me, Scoop. Think about it. We can we can can run. We can grab three other dudes. We can run. How late shall I run? Uh, I mean, Ping's open till what? Midnight? Yeah, I think it's open till midnight. All right, let's make that work. We're we're at. Let's make that work. All right, we'll we'll make it work. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it during the upcoming break. But, okay. Um, but when you go down there and just watch five dudes who don't play college basketball, five dudes, they're pretty good. Like you got guys that have, they're not NBA good. I know they're not NBA good, sure. but in terms of just like the general population. So I go to Germany often. I'm half German. When I'm over, Sprechen in Deutsch. Yeah, Sprechen Deutsch. <laughs> <laughs> American audience here, though. We won't get into that. Okay. Um, but when I go over to Germany, and I was just an average American basketball player over there, I look like Dirk Nowitzki because those kids don't play basketball. They don't play for fun. They play soccer for fun. Handball. <laughs> yeah, they play in, in Germany. Hacky sack. In Germany, they know. <laughs> They know how to juggle a soccer ball way better than American kids do. It's so like in tie to our culture. And basketball is one of those sports you can practice all the time. And you can get a five on five game and get a real simulation of what it actually is like. You can't simulate 11 on 11 football. But you, but you know what? I'll say this to you. You know what I think the turning point for basketball was? What do you think? The 92 Olympics. Mm-hmm. The 92 Olympics. Um, for me, I remember. Um, Waking up early in the morning to watch the U.S. and Angola. So, how old were you in the '92 Olympics? I was seven. Seven, and I was I knew who was doing what. I knew, you know, Chuck Daly was the head coach. The late rest in peace, Chuck Daly. Clyde Drexler was on that team. Chris Mullen was on that team. Larry Bird. I knew there were three white guys on that team. <laughs> the rest of them were black. Um, I knew that Michael um, was the man. I knew that that baton was going to be passed on from from Bird and Magic soon. I knew that Barkley was on that team. I know Barkley was talking a lot of smack. He somebody asked him, uh, "What do you think about Angola?" Barkley said, "I don't know nothing about no Angola, but I know Angola's in trouble." <laughs> and they waxed him by like fifty, if I'm not mistaken. But like that team was full of personalities. Yeah. Those those they had they had um, sneaker deals. I mean, like my mom and my dad. You know, they, they divorced when I was three. My mother remarried um, when I was eleven. And my parents went to Madrid, Spain for their honeymoon, my mom and my stepdad. And all I knew was Barcelona from 92 Olympics. And I asked them to bring me back like pesos. And one of the pesos had Barcelona Olympics. Like, and I identified with that from the 92 yeah. um, Olympics. And that was a turning point for people like Dirk, people like um, uh, Tony Parker, Pau Gasol. All those guys stayed up late to watch that game because they wanted to see Michael Jordan. That dream team 
changed the game. And then it comes to fruition 12 years later when the 2004 Olympic team gets a big head. They go into that action against Argentina and they get beat. They, they go down against against Tony Parker and all and Manu Ginobili. Tony Parker on the front France, of course, but Manu Ginobili, all those guys, they really didn't have their best crew and it showed how far the, you, the world had come in the game of basketball. Which, which is awesome that it's growing. And I think it's got the potential to be a truly global game. I'm not really in tune with how the NBA, I know they're doing really well in China, but how is, how is it going? Is there any international plans for the NBA in terms of, because I know the NFL is trying to go into London. I know the NFL is trying to go all over the place, Mexico. In the NBA, they have really, they're tied in internationally. Luka Doncic is another international superstar coming into the league. But do they have any plans for international more expansion, or are they just going to rely on their merchandising and their products? I mean, if you want to be technical, the NBA was was fruitful in having two ca- Canadian teams That's early true. in. They mm-hmm. had the Vancouver Grizzlies, or now the Memphis Grizzlies, and they still maintain the Toronto Raptors. And uh, when you look at that aspect, but is Cana- is can- Canada is Canada <laughs> international? I mean, I'm just kidding. I, I know, know that- I know you are, but what I'll add is, yeah, it's North America, but look at the culture that Toronto has birthed. Since 97. Yeah, that's true. We the North. They have a really, really awesome basketball culture there. Drake is a byproduct of Vince Carter, Steve Nash, um, and Vince Carter sticking his arm in the whole rim. Uh, I was was thinking of the Bow Wow line basketball when Jermaine Dupri said, when Vince Carter stuck his hand in the whole damn rim. (laughs) Um, But when you look at... When you look at uh, even Tristan Thompson, there's such an influx of Canadian players that are now in the NBA that grew up watching Vince Carter. Um, if you ever question whether Vince Carter should be in the Hall of Fame, which you shouldn't, even if he was a, a 10-point scorer, uh, average 10 points, his influence on the slam dunk contest, he changed the way that the slam dunk contest, like nobody wants to really participate in it anymore because he no. did everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at overall the global expansion, you have to because – um, even in the, in the 90s, I think the NBA was ahead of the curve. You have guys like Drazen Petrovic, who was very instrumental Scoop in um, the game. Vlade Divac was a pioneer, too. Um, and when you look at those guys and some of the byproducts of that, Peja Stajakovic, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, um, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but like even Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon played in the 96 Olympics he almost didn't get to participate and represent Team USA. They had to make sure all his citizenship was straight. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the globalization of the game, yeah, you'd like to see places like London. You'd like to see places like, um, I mean, the NBA does the the, the, the the borders program every summer and go and they go to Africa. You know, you got guys like uh, Dikembe Mutombo, who's from the Congo and, and represents every year. Play the NBA Africa game. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and one of the biggest superstars in the league right now, Giannis, I'm not even going to try. Antetokounmpo. 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 You just got to say it quick enough. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Giannis, the Greek freak, he's amazing to watch. Sure. Um, he's, he's revolutionary. What's not revolutionary is that we're going to take a quick commercial break. And on the other side of it, we'll continue our conversation with Brandon Robinson. This is Sportsbeat on WOUB. And a big welcome back into Sportsbeat on 1340 WOUB. Lucas Moore here, Russ Heltman behind the glass, and Scoop B. Robinson, Brandon Robinson in studio. Yes, sir. I called you all the things that I could have called you. You gave me the options, so I used them all. Oh, listen, man. The more the merrier. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> 
This is serious. We're actually going to play basketball later. I like it. I like. It. I would join you guys, but I got a a, a little movie date that I'm going to see. What ha- happened was, <laughs> I, 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 I promise. I, I made these plans previously. I swear. I swear. Oh, I think he's just scared, man. I'm not scared. I'm 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 trying to reclaim my t- or I'm trying to get that title in the uh, Ohio Women's Basketball three point contest. Yeah, this, this guy weekend. actually, you was semifinals last year. Semifinals. The uh, the two finalists graduated already. One of them had tried out for the basketball team and made it. And then didn't end up playing because it didn't work out with the schedule. I don't know. I didn't think that was very fair, but hopefully, exactly. I don't. Hopefully, I don't student. run into any of that this season. Well, you're just lucky. I'm not. I'm not participating. I asked you before the show, and you're like, "Sunday's my one off day. I just kind of <laughs> don't want to get up." I'm like, "It's free Kaiser's barbecue and a T-shirt. Come That's on." True. Can you still sign up, or is it done? Yeah, you can still sign up. I might. It's on. It's on your email feed. I'm. I'm almost positive. We'll consider it. We'll consider it. Um, one of the things I want to I want to talk to you about is is sourcing. Um, because it's one of those really Uh-oh. interesting, uh, <laughs> it's one of those interesting topics in journalism. Because you, you've uh, you've ran with some with some pretty big stories that you get sourcing on. So just take me through how do you get text? Do you text GMs? Do you text people you know within organizations? Where do you get information from to get these stories out? A, a combination of all of that. Um, how do you know who to trust? Where does that? So where- I'll give you a perfect example. Um, a couple weeks ago, I tweeted out about LeBron James's injury that it was worse than people realized. 100% correct right there. And people decided to troll me. And um, if you follow me on Twitter, if you shoot, should, if you shoot my dog, I'm going to kill your cat. And um, <laughs> people said some things and I let them know what they look like. And my mom has told me to shut up. Um so I tweeted that and people thought I was lying and, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, I'm more right than I'm wrong. And um, he still is not playing. You know, that injury is a, is a pretty complex injury. The person who told me, who shared that information with me has shared a few other things with me that have come true. And when they first reached out to me and told me some information, it was about a month and a month and a half vetting process. Well, so is this person in... And I, mean, I don't want to dive too deep on your sourcing. Because I ain't telling you. <laughs> I mean, you know not to tell me, but right. is it is it a why would this person, if they're in LeBron's inner circle, I'm just trying to understand why people tell the media things. Well, you build relationships with people. So it's a situation where this this particular person that, that told me that information is, is, is tied to someone not on the LeBron side, but is in the know of what's going on from the Lakers side. But then in other situations, you have people who are friends with the player or a family member of the player or the player themselves will tell you. I've been in situations where um, a source close to the team said X, Y, Z is happening and the source is the player. Yeah, I mean, I, I've thought about that before. And oh. I think it might be also a thing where that source, when they finally see it, maybe running on the bottom of the ESPN ticker, they're like, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was this guy right here. And he just gives a little wink at the TV, he yeah. or she. I mean, there's, there's been situations where a particular player shared something with me in confidence, and it was part of my reporting. And uh, I saw that player, and they looked at me, I looked at them, and we fell out laughing because <laughs> we knew. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're getting sources from a myriad of, of places. And what I'll say is, uh, that's where All Star Weekend is important. Uh, I was telling this story with some some of your friends before I came up here. I went to this party uh, during All Star Weekend in L.A. last year. I'd never been to L.A. before. It was my mm. first time in L.A. Um, it was a mansion party in L.A. in Bel Air. 
Whoa. I grew up watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> so I was I was one of four black kids to graduate from my graduating class in prep school. So you know I had a Will Smith moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, like I wanted to stand at the door and do my head like this at the end of The, the Fresh Prince <laughs> intro. But at that party, um, you name them, they were there. I met Stevie Wonder at that party. That's uh, awesome. Stephen A. Smith was the first person I bumped into when I was there. We spoke for a little bit. Is he as energetic in person? No, he's more mellow. More yeah. mellow. More mellow. Um, Hardest working man in sports. I, oh, no, without a that. doubt. I love Stephen A. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid doing my show with the Nets, I used to see Stephen A. in the visitor's locker room when he covered the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And uh, his biggest strength is relationships and things that people tell you. And so that ties into your question. I mean, that party, Carl Anthony Towns was there. Me and his dad are friends. Um, I had played in a game that his dad coached. And we talked about that uh, at that party. Devin Booker was there. He wasn't fighting or running to the locker room at that point. Um, but, you know, married the people. And those type of – those uh, Kimba Walker was there. Yeah. So in those type of, of, of uh, situations where I'm a media guy, you're at a, at a – say you're at a media event and there's a scrum of guys that are trying to get quotes. When that's over, they may see me and I'll give them a wink like – and they'll know that's a one-on-one interview that I can get later. Uh, that manifests itself at parties like the NBA 2K party that I was at in, in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, where uh, DeMarcus Cousins and I had a full one-on-one conversation um, after he did his media uh, duties. I know his high school coach. His high school coach grew up with my dad and my uncles. So there's a there's a camaraderie there. Um, so I, I think when you're going to different events and you get people's phone numbers, uh, you can talk to people about things off the clock and they'll tell you things. And then you just kind of piece the information together and then you're able to indicate to your audience certain things that you can tell them or, hey, this is leaning this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I So I, it works in a similar way. So I guess I kind of do a similar thing with um, Athens. Right. You know, I just hear things from parents and players, but obviously I'm not trying to report on it because Mm -hmm. it's the audience is not as large. And I could report on some things like sure, like the new head coach or or, or things of that nature. So I guess it operates in a similar way. But what is this is always a question I ask big time guys like you, Scoop. I have not yet arrived. Two and a half million downloads last year. I would say on my way. Two and a half million. I'd say I'd say it's a big deal. Bless you. (laughs) I would say. (laughs) What is. Well, who's the most famous person in your phone? Um, so I'll tell you a funny story. In 2017, I went on a trip to Chicago and I lost a ton of numbers in my phone. Oh, um, how'd that happen? Dropped um, the phone in the toilet, or no, what do you got there? I went. I came home and my phone just wiped out. Oh. Like it just wiped. So before that, uh, George Foreman, um, the the guy from Shark Tank, um, Mark Cuban. No, uh, me and him emailed Damon him. John. No. Mr. Wonderful. Uh, I, f- I forget what his name is, but I know you're talking about Him, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, we got Google. Um, uh, and then, I mean, it's... it's Kevin it's, O'Leary. Yes, Kevin O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary. Yep. Thank you. Um, Ken Shamrock, the wrestler. Jeff Jarrett, the wrestler. Um, a couple of NBA guys. Um it, But it, it'd be surprising to you, some of the NBA how about, guys. How about media guys? We got a lot of media savvy people that uh, like to listen to this podcast any famous radio hosts play-by-play guys anybody like that yeah mark spears chris broussard um jay adande um Roz golden wude uh kenny smith uh you know Shaq. me and his mother are texting buddies oh <laughs> yeah go. that's better than Shaq. yeah me and his mother we see each other in passing some guys i just call this Shaq's mom that's six like five eleven six foot one you know, um, this is a famous 
um, well, there was a famous high school basketball coach um, in Ohio, and he would never let his seventh or eighth grade coach cut a player until he met the parents, so that he could meet the mother. And if she was above five foot ten, he would not cut the player. And you see that how successful former athlete players can be. Steph Curry with Del Curry. You have Michael Thompson, Clay Thompson, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jaron Jackson Sr. Yeah, and and, and that indication because he knew that the height is more um, a trait from the mom than yeah. it is from the dad. So you, you see that five foot ten mother, five foot eleven mom. Shaq's dad was pretty tall too. Well, I mean, it, the dad matters too, but sure. But like it, it, but 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 like my biological father um, was five nine. Yeah, and you're and my mother's five four. I'm see, six ge- foot five. Genetics don't make much sense a lot of the times, but I thought it was an interesting rule. No, that that's that's fair. I think that um, when when you look at height, I mean genetics. Like so, I mentioned my dad being five nine and my mom being five four, but I have uncles that are six foot three, six foot four, six foot one. So, you know, and my grandfather on my mom's side was six feet. So it, it, it's it's weird how it works. But then standing next to Shaq, interviewing him in a picture. I feel short. Yeah. Next, standing next to KD, I feel short. Yeah. I mean, I feel tall. Then you walked in and I said, well, I'm not tall, I guess. It's tall swag. And <laughs> it's true. That's true. Tall swag. All right. So what's the scoop on the nick- nickname scoop? Where did that come from? How did that come to be? Scoopy. So when I was doing my show, Net Slamming Planet, mm-hmm. um, I did it with Albert King Evan Roberts and a, a woman named Lynn Wilson. And when I was doing my show, I had this um, this segment on the show called Scoops NBA Beat. And um, but I wasn't given, I didn't give myself that nickname. Um, during the course of the show, I was Brandon Robinson, and she's like, "Man, we got to come up with something cooler." So I was, I would be in, a, I would be in a locker room all the time with players before games. Some of the conversations I was hearing a twelve year old should not be hearing. <laughs> Um, Couldn't even imagine on both sides of the locker room, and uh, I was going through puberty and growing. I wasn't yet a teenager, and um, so I would just get scoops on different things. And Lynn said, "You know, I'm gonna call you Scoop B," and that name stuck with me. Like when I was in high school, um, I I, cre- I I carried over that that I had my own column in the school newspaper. I mean, how cool were you in high school that you were hanging out in NBA locker rooms? Well, I was in middle school. I was I kind of was hated. Actually, some like because well, kids are ruthless, man. They're ruthless, and I also had a smart mouth then. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I was in a situation where, you know, there were some that were happy, some that were like, uh, some that were like, "Can you take me?" And then you know, you, you're twelve, thirteen, trying to impress girls. That, hey, I cover the Nets or the NBA. You think I'm cool? And they're like, "No." Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, it, it's one of those things. Like, as you're older, uh, you it gets t- cooler as you get older. It gets cooler, but I'll tell you what. Um, I'm thankful that my journey was the way it was, um, and I'm glad that I started out 12. I guess you could say a child prodigy, and then went back to being a normal kid. Went to high school, went yeah. to college, because I feel like there's still a mystery to me, and people are still trying to get to know me. Uh, but I professionally, but I feel like um, I was rooted and grounded in not only my faith, uh, right from wrong, and and not people just kissing my butt because I have access. Like, you want people to like you for you. Yeah, exactly. Honestly. Like, if it's no, it's no. But you also have the perks of, of yeses being yeses because the line of industry you're in. So you try to use it to your advantage, but you, you're not a jerk about it. Like, you treat people the way you want to be treated. 
So Scoop then came from. I interrupted you. No, Net Slab and Planet. It came from Lynn <laughs> Wilson giving me giving me a nickname. She's like your Scoopy now. Yeah, and it stuck. Like high school uh, had a column in the newspaper called Scoopy's NBA Beat, which carried over from the Nets days. And you were reporting NBA stories in your high school newspaper. Yeah, I was still going to. I was still even at the show ended. I was still going to like um, shoot around for free. Yeah, I would be in a locker room. That's just, that's keeping just, the credentials. I love it. That's just awesome. It. Yeah, I'm like when I was in when I was in grad school. Uh, worked on my thesis. I was able to come back, and I was with Sasha Vujicic. She was a net at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's funny because Avery Johnson was the coach then. This is like 2010, and his son was running around the locker room. You know, now he plays at Alabama, and we stay in touch. I wrote a feature story on him, like when he was in high school, and when Avery got fired by the Nets, we still stayed in touch. And you know, now he's playing b- basketball at Alabama. So, you know, you, you you build relationships, lifetime relationships with people, and I feel like this industry, if you're good to it, it'll be good to you. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. I absolutely love this, and Russ and I talk about this all the time in terms of uh, radio broadcasting, talking about sports. We just absolutely love it. Uh, every time I'm on air, it's probably my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it's the, it's the culmination of like all the work we do and just being able to come on for an hour, hour 15, it, f- it flies by. like It feels like five minutes. I mean, really, our job right now is to have a conversation with a person that's got a lot of awesome world experience, a lot of awesome NBA experience. Um, and, and in the in the last portion of the show, we're going to have one more question here, and then the last portion of the show, I, w- I do want to talk some real NBA. Let's do like, it. Some top five MVP stuff. Let's do it. All that stuff. But my final question before the break is what is your favorite interview you've ever done on your podcast? And then where can people find that episode? I don't know that. I, well, actually, it's funny. It's going to take longer to, to answer. But my favorite interview that I did on a podcast – was was with a non-sports person, but it tied into basketball. Um, Interesting. I did an interview with the rapper Too Short. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Too Short, his most notable song is Blow the Whistle. Um, so if you... Go ahead. I, I, I don't know. So don't check know this song. out. Do you remember back in maybe 2007, 2008, um, LeBron James had a beef with Deshaun Stevenson, and Deshaun called him overrated? I do not remember that. I don't. I don't remember hearing about that. Okay, no. enlighten us. Let's hear. Long it. story short, they were the Cavs were playing the Washington Wizards, and the two teams were going back and forth. Deshaun said some things about LeBron. LeBron said, and it's so topical now. That's like Soldier Boy saying that he's better than Jay Z. <laughs> Drake, Drake. <laughs> so what? What ended up happening was. Deshaun and them were going back and forth. Jay-Z puts out a diss track called Blow the Whistle, and he references Deshaun, and they played it in a nightclub in D.C. It was crazy. Deshaun was ticked. and um, Who would have thought the Washington Wizards would have some uh, some some dysfunction going on? Yeah, right? But this was, this was like 10 years ago. Yeah. So um, Jay-Z sampled Blow the Whistle. You'll probably know this. Um, the song Blow the Whistle was again sampled by Drake, and um, on DJ Khaled's Major Key album, mm-hmm. I go on and on. That's how I look so long. I got super yeah. power. So it was in the song for free. For free. Another one. So mm-hmm. long story. <laughs> oh, that was perfect Khaled right another there. One. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, too short, I asked him, number one, he said his favorite word is the B word. I asked him why that was his favorite word. Um, and I talked about the Drake and, and Jay-Z uh, situation. And long story short, he said, um, it has reinvented me again that two of the top rated um, rappers in the last 15, 20 years is sampling 
uh, my work. And to add to that notion, he also said on the podcast that he believes that Jay-Z sampled his Blow the Whistle because he was using it as a marketing tool to get LeBron to come to the Nets back in 2010 when he was a free agent. Oh, wow. When and Jay-Z owned like what, like 1% of the team yeah, or something like that. But he was a face and yeah. all that good stuff. But what 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 with that comment, um, that went viral like crazy. Um and another quick moment, I had Kenny DeJet Smith on uh, Scoopy Radio, and I asked him, had Michael Jordan not retired with the Bulls still have won two championships? He said, we would have beat him, no question. That made ESPN the jump. Scottie Pippen was on that day, and he said, the thing that Kenny forgot was the most important thing. My job on that team was to cut a head off of a snake. And um, that hit the jump. It hit Bleach Report, Complex, and a myriad of other places. And, you know, I'm glad that I have the relationships to just go in and so do what we, I do. And Kenny, of course, referencing the, the Rockets teams in the mid-90s that went yeah. back-to-back the two years that, yes. that Jordan retired. Yeah. So when somebody says something like that on your show, do you, like, immediately go, oh, that's 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 getting Hell yeah! It, it, <laughs> do, you, do you try to stay calm, or are you just sitting there going, okay, pretend that it's what the you just drop said moment. was normal? It's like, yes, you um, got it. I think earlier on, like, during my time at CBS, definitely, and I've taken all of the different things from my life and CBS and kind of encompassed it into a podcast um, now. And so, you know, early on, like, I had Samaki Walker when I was at CBS. He told me, Samaki Walker played for the Lakers, told me about the time. Uh, Kobe, Bryant, Kobe Bryant sucker punched him over Two hundred dollars in a bet, or hundred dollars in a bet. I had, man. I, I had, you know, uh, Rashawn McLeod, a former NBA player, tell me about the time that uh, Michael Jordan scored forty eight points on Jerry Stackhouse while singing Anita Baker's "Giving You the Best That I Got." <laughs> <laughs> and that hit like Sports Nation, Jamel Hill talked about it, and Michael Smith. So it's like stories. Like people want to hear those type of stories. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. That's awesome. The read the p- between the lines type of uh, type of info. Oh stuff yeah. Like that. Oh well, yeah. We'll get into some real NBA talk. Break down the current NBA season, uh, the future of the league with Brandon Scoopy Robinson. We return on Sports Beat. Back here on Sports Beat, thirteen forty WOUB. Russ Heltman over there. Lucas Moore over here. Scoop B, right next there. To me. What up? <laughs> let's talk actual. Let's talk sports. I mean, we've talked journalism. We've talked stories about sports, but let's talk sports. Now, Scoop, you're going to know more about the NBA than Russ and I combined, but we like to have strong opinions about things. So I think this is going to be a little fun. And if we, if we, if we make an argument that you don't think is sound, you just go ahead and and, and tell us okay. right away. All right, we're right let here. Let us know. What up? I think Luka Doncic is going to be the next best player in the NBA. I really do. He's starting out strong. And and here's why. It's just because when a guy like that is exposed to the competition level that he was at such a young age, Mm -hmm. um, from 16 on, playing that level of competition, you've got to be a special type of animal to have the success that he had in Europe. Um, And... what was What's the famous European bust's name that I'm forgetting? The early Darko Milicic, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He wasn't as successful as Luka Doncic was in EuroLeague. He wasn't as successful. Didn't win MVP at 18. Didn't, didn't, I mean, was not dominating the way Luka Doncic did. And that kid is just a winner through and through. And I read that one story after he went 8 of 14 at the line. He just is shooting free throws all through the night, essentially, after going 8 of 14, which to me, I mean, it's a bad night, but it's not, oh my gosh, I need to work on this for three hours type of night. I think he's got the killer instinct. I, I think he's got the winner's attitude. And I think that at 19 years old, He's the leader of that Mavericks team. I don't know what you've heard in terms of inside sources, but when I watch the Mavericks play, to me, it looks like Luka Doncic at 19 is the unquestioned leader. At 19, averaging 19.9 points per game, 6.8 rebounds and 5.3 assists. and um, Tall, 
Slovenian oh, yeah. uh, that has the opportunity to shine in a system that the only offensive threat uh, legitimately in their starting lineup is Dennis Smith Jr., who's you know having issues and, and, and returned uh, to the the the, uh, the Mavericks' uh, roster after sitting out for a little while. But when you look at that Dallas Mavericks team, uh, the other advantage in my mind that that Luka Doncic legitimately had, uh, Mavericks currently sitting at twenty one and twenty six, uh, three and seven in their last ten is uh, Dirk Nowitzki. That transition, oh, yeah. that baton passing, um, I, I think that. He kind of came to a surprise to some, but I think that maturity playing overseas, oftentimes the European guys get the knock that they take a longer time to adjust or gel to uh, a system. Um, Luka Doncic has done well, and you, you kind of thought that, you know, there would be other guys like Trey Young who would kind of benefit right away, but, you know, not so much. But in the long run, I think Trey will be fine. I think Luka Doncic is the clear-cut uh, MVP right now. Uh, I don't like to put the cart before the horse, but when you look at some of the stats that he's putting up, like that 19-5-5, five five, oh, yeah. other players who did that in their rookie year, LeBron. guys like LeBron, and but then you have Tyreek Evans. Yeah. yeah so true. it's like you don't want to put him in that Tyreek Evans but, category, but, but 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 he's 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 performing very well. I think very different situations, though, because of Tyreek coming into that dysfunctional Sacramento Kings organization. True. And then yeah, Luca, Luca kind of being in a much better environment and, in my and, eyes. And this could be wrong, but just from what I remember from watching Tyreek Evans play, because I didn't watch him all that much, but he seemed a lot more. Lucas just seems repeatable. It's like iron. It's like it's going to be there. It's solid. Kind of his style of play. It seems like something that doesn't rely on an, an overt amount of athleticism. It's really an instinct for the game. His Euro step in the lane. He just has a different feel for the game of basketball while Tyreek seemed like he was flash score a lot of points athleticism it's centered around Tyreek whereas guys like Doncic Nikola Nikola Jokic we're seeing LeBron James over the past 15 years it it, they they make their teammates better essentially and the game has evolved Tyreek Evans I think was considered a selfish guard at a time when guards were not doing what Russell and Steph Curry do Mm -hmm. now and and Derrick Rose I think that I think you know Tyreek was in like that Iverson transition where Iverson was considered selfish and now Iverson was one of the one of a kind at that point. oh for sure for sure particularly because of how he he conducted himself in the 2001 NBA finals where you know he had a lot of heart stepped over Ty Lue um, but I, I think when you to go back to Doncic, I think uh, the European player has evolved. They've watched guys like Pager. They've watched guys like Dirk. Um, you have Dirk right on right in your in your in your huddle every every day, and so you, you're learning things from him on the fly um, that many people don't. And I don't think any other like literally, he got the keys to the city of Dallas early. Yeah, uh, in a way that Tony Romo didn't even. He had to sit under Drew Bledsoe comparatively to football. Are you talking about Luca in, in terms of transitioning from Dirk? Are you talking about Dirk getting the keys? Um, I was using a football and basketball analogy at okay. the same time. So again, to go back, when Tony Romo was uh, playing quarterback for the for the Dallas uh, Cowboys, he uh, had to sit up under Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, and he had to learn. Luka Doncic comes in and pretty much starts from the yeah. beginning, yeah, exactly. without having to go through that level of of vetting. So. He's Luka Magic. I mean, they, they love him in Dallas because mm-hmm. he's, he, he's, just, he's just that good. Okay, shifting away from Luka Doncic, let's talk about the MVP race. Russ is a real nerd about this MVP thing. To me, um, I know who the best player is, and I know who the most important player is in the league, and it's LeBron James. And the fact that he hasn't been given the award over the past, like, 
you know, six years. Steph Curry, the year he won unanimous, probably should have won it. Can't take a month off defense last season like LeBron did. No, I, I get it. Different set of circumstances. Uh, when I used the Allen Iverson analogy in 2001, Allen Iverson was the shooting guard, even though Eric Snow was the point guard, but he, on the, he played the passing lanes a lot. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I think when LeBron, excuse me, when Allen Iverson was the sole focus of that team, he had to score a lot. He had to take plays off defense to conserve his energy. And yeah. I think the same situation happened in Cleveland. And he didn't have Kyrie helping him last year. Exactly. They needed each other. And real, it seemed kind of like but, a, a little bit of a mini protest, so to say, to kind of be like, Dan, Dan Gilbert, uh, uh, Kobe Altman, get me some help here. But the 2011 MVP was a crime. I mean, I love Derrick Rose's season, but I mean, it's just like, I, I feel like that he just should win a lot more MVPs. But Russ loves this MVP thing, and it's a great conversation to have. I think it's James Harden, 36 points per game. I don't think you can really argue it. I think with Harden, it's how he's done it in Chris Paul's absence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a carryover from what happened in the playoffs last season. So are you, uh, for MVP voting, because I hear all these different things from these NBA reporters. Chris Broussard talks about it all the time. There's guys that are most important to their team, best stats, best storyline. What What is your MVP criteria? Um when you consider it. See, I, I like the fact um, that the MVP race um, is now decided more so at an award ceremony at the end um, of the season. But at the same time, because look at that, look at Dirk when he won it, when the Warriors beat them in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Like he was the MVP of the season. But I also think the MVP has a dichotomy where. Um, you know, Harden got it last year as a scorer, a prolific scorer, but LeBron James was the MVP of that Cavs team that basically took us on the court and, and won, took him to the, took him to the finals. <laughs> yeah. It was the best run ever. I mean, uh, but the same thing could be said about Michael Jordan. You saw David Robinson and Charles Barkley and Carmelo get it some years when Michael was still effective for his team. Oh, without a doubt. So I think, you know, I use this analogy uh, uh, for the streets. James Harden was the MVP. But the league knows what time it is. LeBron was was the real MVP, and it and it felt felt like James Harden last year, and especially this year. There's kind of more Heisman moments, so to say, for Harden. He's got oh, yeah. those signature games. We saw it last night in the Garden. Ties the most points by a visiting player was 61 last night, and he went five of 20 uh, from well, three. Tell me so. that. Tell me that stat about the the players traded for James Harden in the Thunder trade and what Harden could do right now. If Harden stopped playing the rest of the season, every single player that was traded for James Harden, if they kept their averages up the rest of the year, he'd still outscore all of those players combined. Whoa, it's insane. I mean that, and that's that's courtesy of Zach Cram of the Ringer.com. I did not do that research myself. Th- that, that sounds like a Ringer type stat. Oh yeah. Oh, the Ringer. <laughs> and, and, and this guy across the glass, he'll come in and, and throw the three most interesting Ringer stats he hears, and I just go, "What? I mean, that's insane. That's absolutely insane." Um, what do you think of Giannis? I mean, is this is he going to be the next best player in the league? I think it's going to be Luka Doncic. I think I think Giannis has started to realize he's that dude, and I think that that transition started when they fired Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Giannis. I think Mike Budenholzer is 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 benefiting from the effects of what uh, that organization brought in before he got there, and I also think uh, adding uh, Hill to that team is helping. Well, what was Jason Kidd doing wrong? I mean, why why wasn't he able to get that type of production out of Giannis with the window sometimes you need a new voice and sometimes uh you get bigger than the players and sometimes you management and you don't always see eye to eye I saw it firsthand in Brooklyn uh where Jason Kidd and that organization just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things and it was time to go they needed a new voice 
And I think that uh, Giannis is figuring that out. I I, I thought that Milwaukee was going to be fine last year, uh, but it took an extra year. And I think Giannis just has a confidence in himself. And I think specifically... When you look at the standings right now, obviously with the Pacers uh, losing Luke, uh, excuse me, uh, Victor Oladipo for the rest of the season, really brutal. you're yeah. going to see Brooklyn shift more, and you're going to see the the, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers step up even more. Um, and I think that um, when you look at the, the the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, the two teams that are really standing out the most are the Bucks and the Raptors. The Bucks are eight and two in their last ten and on a five game winning streak, but. They're starting to click early. You just hope that that consistency continues to be consistent in the second half of the season. And the reason I trust Toronto more is because I still have not seen Giannis with big moments in the playoffs. And like, once I see that, I'll be a full believer that he can be the next best player in the league, that he can win two or three championships. Because you just have to see it, right? It's one of those things that you don't know somebody can do it until they do it. Like just Patrick Mahomes in the NFL is a perfect example. We didn't know that he would be successful in the playoffs, successful in big moments, until we saw him do it. Had all that history working against him, too. Now I've seen him throw against the greatest of all time, and I have full confidence in Patrick Mahomes. You just got to see it once. And Kawhi Leonard in his laugh has an uh, an NBA uh, championship with the Spurs. Yeah, he has that experience. He's done it. Won an NBA Finals MVP against the great one of the greatest players of all time, and LeBron James. And I'll add, you know, the hiring of Nick Nurse was 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 probably very underrated. Uh, Nick Nurse, I, I spoke to uh, a, a league source that was telling me that before they hired him, that you know, a lot of teams are trying to get Nick Nurse, and Toronto better hurry up and do it, or, or else somebody's going to get him. Um, he was intricate in, in that offense that that was constructed uh, for for that team, and. Uh, you know, they passed on other guys like that were already in house, like Jerry Stackhouse, who won two G League championships with them. Yeah. Um, and then also the adding Danny Green was probably an underrated move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just and another explosive shooter like that on the outside. And when you, really... when you look at this Raptors team, Scoop, I, I just don't see. I, I get the glitz and glamour of going to LA, of of going back home for Kawhi Leonard, but. I just feel like he could rule this conference for the rest of his career with a with an entire country behind him and a really, really strong front office head, headed by Masai Ujiri. We talked about the global expansion of the NBA. Do you realize that the Toronto Raptors may be the first team not American to win an NBA championship? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's never happened. Never happened. They had an all-star game in Toronto. There's never been a championship. So, like, there are so many other indications besides just Kawhi winning it and getting the last word. Like, this is a this is a big freaking deal. And um, it, it, it's 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 pretty cool. You know, Golden State is not the clear-cut favorite. To, I mean, they're the champs. You got to run past the champs to, to, to be the champ. But, I mean, when you go to the – you look at – you look at um, – Every season, everybody just assumes the Warriors are going to win. These days, they look a little bit more mortal because you saw what the the Houston Rockets did in the playoffs in the conference finals last year. But they add DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. I'm throwing you a segue before we got to get out of here. Uh, they, they they got a KD who's going to have a big contract next year with with either remaining there or going to another team. And, you know, there's a lot to consider. But but the Raptors are definitely a, a good contender that, that can compete with them, as are the Milwaukee Bucks. So what team out west then is going to take down the Warriors? Is it going to be the Rockets? Are the Lakers going to add a superstar next season to take down the Warriors? Because let's go ahead and assume that the Warriors win the title uh, next this year. Because I think that although there have been some cracks in the armor, with the way Boogie seems to integrate, I think that they're a pretty sure bet to win another NBA title. I mean, they're up there, but I, I think you might—I might sound crazy to you. Uh, I had Jason McIntyre on the Scoopy Radio podcast a couple weeks ago. We both agreed that a healthy Le- a LeBron coming back healthy 
uh, with the Lakers team can compete in the conference finals. You think? With the yeah, with the you know, especially if fan. if we get a Rajon Rondo playoff Rondo type performance that he has shown over the past three four but years, but I just I don't want to buy fool's gold here. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I, I said this on the on the podcast on Tuesday when when we talked about the return of Boogie. It, it I said it was pretty much over and done with, but. Like, I, I want to keep hoping with LeBron James on the floor, he can beat any f- starting five you've ever put out there, truly, on his special nights. And I think we know that. But you're connected in L.A. My big question for you, and I want to get it on air, which superstar are they going to add? Are they going to add one over the next year? By by playoffs next year, who else is on well, the list? I mean, you look at the Davis situation right now. If you look at it today, um, the Boston Celtics do have the upper hand um, as far as what they can offer. The only thing that's blocking is the Kyrie, or excuse me, the Derrick Rose rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order for the Lakers to, to potentially uh, make a run at getting Anthony Davis, they may have to give up uh, Lonzo Ball or Kyle Kuzma uh, in addition to Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Um, but I, I think um, looking further down the line, if they want to get anybody, they're going to have to move Contavious Caldwell Pope's expiring contract, and they've done all of these short-term uh, one-year deals to make certain things happen. Um, in the short term, you know, if they can't get Davis this this uh, at the trading deadline on February seventh, uh, Bradley Beal is definitely an option. Uh, I, I've, I, Carmelo Anthony, once he clears waivers, uh, th- that's the talk in is, LA. Is, is Kawhi out on coming to the Lakers? Because I've been hearing Clippers. Uh, my top three teams for Kawhi Leonard, from all I've been hearing and reporting, uh, would be one, staying with the Toronto Raptors. Number one, that's two, leading. Brooklyn. Three, uh, the Clippers. Brooklyn. We've, Brooklyn we've seen how two. gritty the Brooklyn Nets have been playing this year. Brooklyn really, grit. really well. And D'Angelo wow. Russell in a contract year, he could be a nice little one-two punch with Kawhi. Sure. It went from Kawhi is a hundred percent going to the Lakers to. Not at all now. It, it doesn't feel like. Uh, I mean, it, it's definitely not moving. Uh, LA, right. LA is is was an interest uh, of them, and I, I can tell you this. I, I reported this that you know Paul George uh, and LeBron did verbally agree uh, that Paul was going to go, and then wow. in the twenty fifth wow. hour, uh, changed his mind, and you know LeBron kept his word and came to LA. And Paul see what happens. The gravitas of Russell Westbrook, right there. Well, you kept your promise and appeared on our show, and we really appreciate. That. Thanks for Good having people. me, Brandon Robinson. Russ Heltman over there, Lucas Moore here. It's been a great show. A lot of fun talk about the NBA, about journalism, about radio. Really one of our one of our favorite shows, I think, Russ. Um, make sure you check us out, Sports Beat Bits. Follow us on Twitter. Do all those necessary things. And we'll see you next week at the same time, same place. This has been Sports Beat on 1340 WOUB. Scoop B Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.